Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm so excited to be joined by the fantastic Carla Gugino to talk all about the Netflix series, The Fall of the House of Usher. And I wanted to start by talking about how you've approached this role, because I imagine it was an incredibly daunting prospect. And what's so fascinating about Verna is on the paper and the idea of her, this ethereal character that doesn't live in the same time and space components that we do, it's such a larger than life concept. And yet the way that you've had to play her, you can't play her that way. There has to be a lot of intimacy to her. Um, she has to be very grounded. And so I was really interested in how you kind of found the, the parameters and the scope of how you wanted to approach this at the beginning. Oh, I really appreciate that question because it's exactly the the challenges that, um, and the exciting challenges that I faced with this character. Um, I, uh, I think that was one of the things that became very clear to me was, um, because you have a, the larger than life nature of it is built in. And so, um, because she's hiding in plain sight, it's actually about sort of finding this golden thread that connects these incarnations of the same character. And that was what was interesting is that I, I didn't want it ever to be, and, and, and Mike completely agreed some sort of, um, flashy, um, circus-like, you know, hair, makeup, accents, you know, it, it's, it needed to be something where she can slip in and be hiding in plain sight. And, um, and so where that began was what is the nature of Verna? Um, and, and then, and that nature is this, um, it was wonderful that because she isn't human, she doesn't have to subscribe to sort of human morality or any of these things that we take for granted in human behavior. And, and yet she has a job to do. So there was also this interesting element of it that had this ethereal um, archetypal nature, but also this, this sense that um, she's also just kind of doing her job, which is this deal has been made. She has to execute its consequences. And so what was something that felt key to me in terms of um, since she is a through line of the show and sort of the driving force of the deaths of all these main characters. Um, but I didn't want her to be a villain and, and she didn't ever seem to me a villain um, was that that she had this innate curiosity about humanity. And so that it, it wasn't a fait accompli. Like there was a, the, the aspect of it that is in, you know, imperative uh, and inescapable is that they will have to die once they have made this deal. Um, but even when she gives them the deal, she gives them many, many outs. And so um, what I liked was that no matter how long she has been doing this and, and how many centuries she's been sort of playing with the, the, the strange creatures called humans, she um, still is waiting for the one in a million that will actually really change their ways. And so she has this kind of, each time there was a, a death scene, um, it was very important to me and, and Mike sort of we, we just talked about what where it, where where can she offer them a chance? Where, they, where can she offer them a chance to change? And um, and so that was that was important. And and none of the accents were written into the script. So that was also something where um, I felt like that was a fine line of finding if they didn't if they spoke exactly the same, if they spoke and sounded like me, um, I think we just wouldn't have had the differentiation we needed. Um, but I also wanted it to always feel that when you look deep enough, you find Verna inside. So there's that kind of golden thread that connects them all. And um, and so that was a really interesting process, finding where their centers of gravity are, which were all completely different and building backstories for each one of them, because they should feel as if they've lived on the planet for as long as those people, you know, would have.
Absolutely. And, and I mean, the, the gymnastics that you have to do when it comes to the dialogue and the dialect, because as you were saying, there's different accents for some of the different characters, but it's not even just that. It's how quickly or how to slowly does she talk? What's the pacing and the rhythm? What's the tone and the pitch of the voice of each character? Um, and so how did you approach the dialect work with all of that in mind? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, well, I've, I've, with the help of, of, wonderful dialect people too and also dialects that I've sort of accrued over the years it was it was really about reading his dialogue and discerning what it was interesting because so often you have an accent that's built into something so you don't even have to think about that aspect you just have to think about doing it well <laughs> and um and this was sort of you know um for example with the animal care worker um she had this sort of Originally, she was going to be a little bit more bohemian, rough around the edges, and that would have worked in a certain incarnation. But all of a sudden, it felt like, wait a minute, there's this certain politeness that she has with Leo. That's that's this certain politeness, and and his charm gets him nowhere with her. And she's clearly this person that actually likes and prefers animals to humans, but will be very polite and very practical. And all of a sudden, that was like, oh, that's there's a very Midwestern quality to her. And so that was sort of what was born. You know, that, that I found that that sort of was where it's she started speaking to me in that way. And so then I went in, would go into Mike's office and go like, here, let me, how, how does she sound? You you know, and we would just sort of hone in on on what ones were resonating with him as well. Um, did I answer your question or did I just go off? No, no, you did. And and because you were mentioning the scene with Leo, I think that's also such a great example of what you were mentioning before with she's kind of hiding in plain sight because yeah. coming more and more unraveled in that moment and he's not paying any attention to her. He's yeah. not even at her. And there's so many moments where there's just kind of this stillness to her. Um, and so was that something that was quite evident to you on the page with kind of her curiosity and, and wanting people to make the right choices, but essentially having to just stand there and watch them make the yeah. choices? Yeah, no, I think there was something really interesting about being the engaged witness um, and, uh, and, and that I was the other player um, theoretically running the scene, but watching these characters and actors in the the most heightened moment of their characters, their, their death scenes, you know? And so it was so, it was such an unusual, usually if you were playing another person in, in those kinds of scenes, you're either the perpetrator or you're an, another victim or you're trying to save them or, you know, so there was none of those kind of normal responses. And, um, and I think that came from also um, work that I did with Terry Notary, who's so so brilliant at working with. Um, we began to work in terms of the raven, in terms of the cat, in terms of the primate, and and as I started working with the raven, there there all of a sudden these metaphors began to emerge for me and this physicality, which is that nature of that raven that perches on a branch, and Poe obviously just embodied that fully with this kind of um present um but but over presiding over something while and then being able to take action extremely quickly and so that was uh, that was a lot of um a lot of the the body work and work that I did in terms of, of sort of the more animal nature of her character um for sure in the leo you know there's that whole sequence in the kitchen where um Vern is following him and that was very you know um we worked with with you know i i i ended up sort of having a my hand ends up almost being like a tail like you know there was just some physical exploration that you may not even register but it it feels like something is not quite human 
And, and in terms of the Raven as well, you talked a little bit about how in those scenes you wanted to have more of like a physical wingspan to her. And so what did that embodiment look like for you? Yeah, I mean, you see as the bartender, there's, you know, she has this sort of the the wings and also in the scene with Roderick in the basement, um, when the wall is really when when everything is coming back um, from his past and and everything is crumbling, that she is beckoning it. And she is, um, you know, it was interesting because I felt that perhaps, you know, again, when you're working with things that are ultimately going to be CGI, also you're you're you are both informing each other. So I'm being given what is going to happen eventually, but I'm imagining it. And then my performance ends up informing what they do to, you know, so it's, it's this sort of wonderful give and take. So in that way, it felt really key for me that, that for her to come up to the wall and that that might be what instigated this kind of crumbling. And so that, that ended up being, and, and because I knew it had to crumble, it was like, how can I help tell that story? And I think that was the thing. It always is the nature of, 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 the way I approach something, which is how can this character, what is this character's job in terms of telling the story? And in this one, she is lighting all the matches, but she's just then kind of witnessing the flame and she can put her finger on it anytime. And it, you know, it's, it's really, um, really fun. I've also heard you describe in, in terms of your process that it's very much about working from the inside out. So even though there's these kind of huge, accomplishments in terms of the different physicalities how would you kind of approach those sorts of physical performances of okay I need to be essentially transforming into a primate or into a cat in this scene um how would you approach those moments with that building work starting from the inside you know it was interesting because this this whole project for me um did end up several of those incarnations of Verna came starting physically. And that is not my process normally. So it was, again, it's so, uh, you know, it's always, I end up choosing roles that, you know, scare me. And this one was, was incredibly intimidating, um, in that regard. Um, but, but it was also really just because, you know, we all have our, our processes of how we generally approach whatever we do. And especially when you've been doing it for most of your life, um, you have certain sort of signposts and this one in, 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 you know, with the, for example, with the primate, it was really, uh, clear that by the end of the scene, the intention was that she was taking on all of the pain of, of what we have done to the animal kingdom. Like she had to sort of embody that and that Kate Siegel's character witnesses that and has her own reaction to it. She may not be, you know, able to kind of process it, but the audience can see what's happening. And so I knew that I had to get to a breaking point that was um, where this incredibly powerful creature was powerless and was hopeless and embodied this sense of, of being dominated by something that was, you know, more powerful than, than, than them. And so I knew that that emotionally, that emotional component was where it had to go, but I wasn't able to understand how that would manifest until I worked on it physically. Um, and just, you know, working with, um, sort of these crutches that you, that help, you know, that basically allow you to walk like that. And, and also realizing that, you know, they have very little transition. We have emotional transitions. They feel one thing and then are feeling the other right away. There's just, just, just a whole different pattern of thinking. And so that was also really fascinating to play with.
I've also heard you talk a little bit about some of the preparation work that you did where you related back to your experiences with Brazilian shamans and just that idea of, of neutrality and adaptiveness existing in the same space. And I was really interested in kind of how you looked back to those experiences and how that really helped you with some of the aspects of Werner as well. Yeah, I think she seemed immediately upon reading it like a, a shaman in terms of a sort of just transforming energy um, and uh, and a shapeshifter. And, um, and so, and sort of, you know, the, the sort of the metaphor of, of smoke, which obviously shamans are, are is incorporated oftentimes, um, whether it's burning, you know, obviously there's, there's ayahuasca, but there's also sage, there's all sorts of, um, different things that are, you know, sort of part of that kind of, and, and she does, um, I wanted her never to make a harsh exit or entrance. It felt like she should sort of waft in like smoke and waft out and, and, um, and so, yeah, it, it was just it was just the feeling that um, uh, of 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 non attachment, which is I think impossible as a human being, um, and so therefore very fun to play um, because it was it was a little bit like uh, playing Verna was like an, a very unusual meditation every time I got to play her. It actually I found her incredibly grounding um because i i can you know sort of go off into the like i i can be a little more of a hummingbird and uh so it was very helpful to have that raven energy and you also had to to reach a point where ultimately you could step in and out of each of these different incarnations of her at any point um and so how did you kind of set about developing what's my inroad to each of these incarnations of the character yeah. going to be that was definitely very much about the physicality and where their voice sat and where their breath sat. So for like the heart patient, for example, um, she was so she was written as being incredibly short of breath. And so that she lived up here, um, which is obviously a very different place than, say, the, you know, the character in The Mask of the Red Death, you know, with the blonde and, the, you know, who's very much more in her sort of root chakra, so to speak. And so um uh, it was, it was definitely about finding the physicality of it. Um, and, and I also recorded anyone that had a, a dialect, I recorded it, um, so that, because some days I would need to do two on the same day. So I was able to sort of, as I was sitting in hair and makeup and I was seeing the physical transformation happening, I was also hearing it so that I could just click in and out quickly. Um, initially we weren't going to be doing two on the same day, but it just for practical reasons, it, you know, it's the way that filming works and, and, um, so it was a really fun challenge that way. And it actually ended up being, um, again, a sort of informative as to how easeful it should be for Verna to do that. So. And you, you were mentioning earlier, kind of finding those three points of what are, what are the pieces that exist in her, no matter what the incarnation is. And so for you, what were those minute details and subtleties that exist in every single incarnation? Right. Well, I think, for example, like the heart patient is so incredibly anxiety ridden and, and, and someone who's had such chronic illness and and, um, you know, living with chronic illnesses is, is just so debilitating and and being really used by the system, which is unfortunately so often the case in, in the in the medical world. Um, so she lived in this place up here, just terrified. And yet I would say, again, there's always somewhere in there for me was the reminder that, um, Verna can go in and out of that in seconds. And there are scenes where you'll see the switch, obviously vocally when Verna comes in and out or just in the eyes. And so that, that, that golden thread was characterized by this kind of, um, non-judgmental, non-moralistic, um, 
keen observer, but also like somebody who, uh, um, this, this sense of deliciousness, like the, like the mess of humanity is delicious to Verna. And I think that that always, um, would be the thing that would be the sort of through line. You mentioned the eyes as well. And did you find that obviously there's always so much of a performance that, that rests in the eyes, but did you find that even more so or in a different capacity with this, because it is such a keen observational, you know, going back to the idea of the Raven, just kind of like with that height and just really watching everyone and keying into every detail because she sees things in people that they don't even necessarily see in themselves. Exactly. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's the thing is that, that, you know, we all want someone to, um, see who we really are and still love us. And I think that in this case, I don't know that she loves them, but that there's this, they ha are having the truest moment they have ever had with Verna, these characters. For the first time, they are being seen without any blinders. You know, All That Jazz is one of my favorite movies. And Jessica Lange plays the angel of death in it. And it's such a wonderful moment, you know, that she understands Bob Fosse's character. She understands that him so well. Um, and she has no judgment it just is what it is but she'll say you know you know don't kid a kidder it's like hey i got your number and it's okay you don't have to hide from me and that was that i just kept coming back to that because that was such an influential movie for me and her performance was so amazing and and so that was also somebody who um i you know i think verna has elements of of that of that feeling of of there's a relief there's a relief a relief when you don't have to lie anymore you know I also love the way that she reveals herself piece by piece to each of the characters. So yeah. at the beginning, having these interactions, they think it's completely normal. And then she starts throwing things in to disarm them. And sometimes it's revealing a piece of information that they haven't told her. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the physical element that starts to shift and change in her voice. Um, and so how did you set about looking at each of the scenes and what you wanted that pacing of the reveal to look like? Well, um, that was really is Mike's brilliance as a writer, because those were those were really in there. And if there were any ones that felt to me a little bit like, oh, might we be able to find a like, where is our entry point or a shift point here? Um, you know, that's the wonderful advantage of, of working together for on several projects is that it's such a quick thing where then he'll make a, a an adjustment with a line that will, you know, allow us to. So each one was just a different process of discovery in that regard. Um, and some of them are sort of want need to be a jump scare. Some of them need to be a, an alarming moment of change. And some of them need to be this kind of insipid, just slow. Wait a minute. Is she? Oh, my gosh. Yes, there she is. You know, and so we were just playing with that the entire time. And and uh, again, I think this whole piece, because the ensemble is so strong and every actor is just fearless. Um, there's this kind of um, Mike had referred to the entire thing as a symphony. And in a way, you know, Verna is her own symphony. And um, and and so, you know, because Verna is also a mirror for all of them. And uh, so that was that was always about what part of the what part of the symphony are we in? What what where do we want this to, you know, how does this sit? And even just that kind of conducting in, in the first encounter that she has with Roderick and Madeline in the bar back in, in 1979. Yeah. That's so great to watch as well, just the way that she kind of like gradually builds their trust and to the point where when she sets out the idea of this deal. They may not 100% believe it, but they believe that there's a lot of reality in what she's saying. Yeah. And so what was important to you to establish in the dynamic that she builds with them before the reveal of what is this conversation? What is this deal on the table? Well, the biggest, yeah, the biggest challenge with that scene was the fact that I had to, in some way, 
and I'm not Verna and I'm not, you know, supernatural. In some way, as an actor, I needed to create an environment in which it felt like this, the air in the room changed because there is that moment where she says, you can feel it, right? You know, and if I didn't create that and they couldn't feel it, it the scene wouldn't work. And so there was this kind of hypnotic um, it, it was really important to sort of, and we all know that there are those people in the world too, who have this kind of, you, you find yourself, you know, seduced by them. Um, you know, you've been in a conversation all night and then you realize, oh, wait, they never asked how I was or any of those kind of, you know, there's very different, you know, per permutations to different, you know, um, characters. And so that was really important to create that. And, and Willa and Zach were such great acting partners in that scene too. So it, th that we shot that towards the end of the, the, towards the end of my time there. And we shot that all, you know, in a, in a um, condensed period of time. So it was really fun to play with that. Um, you know, that talk about a scene that is just, you know, I don't know, eight, eight pages or whatever was that the end scene. And, and um, we got to just kind of hone in and, and it did feel like we were in an altered space. And in fact, one of the camera operators said, I don't think I've ever seen a scene like this. Like, I think the entire crew, we all just kind of came in together. I, I also find it so interesting in the fact that for her, it's kind of, there's no negotiations. I'm laying my cards on the table. This is what it is, take it or leave it. And so yeah. did you find her to be quite a straightforward matter of fact character in that regard? Because she's not negotiating the terms at any point with anyone, even when it comes to the moment with Lenore, who's the one person that she wishes that she could spare from it all. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and she, you know, she is, she is, she kind of knew. And yet the fact that they never thought about Lenore um, when they made that deal, because, you know, they, they thought that when somebody has a child, that will also be part of this deal, um, I think ends up being one of the things that gets, you know, I, I do love making characters, giving rules to characters and then letting them break them. And that scene with Lenore and then also the scene with Henry Thomas's character for different reasons, Verna does get, you know, involved. Um, but um yeah, I, I think that, again, she just had no stickiness. She has no attachment. She doesn't need anything from them. So it's it's really is laying it out. It's it's She doesn't have an investment whether they take the deal or they don't take the deal. But she, she wants to present all the temptations in the world and see if they can see through it and make a different choice. And she's also picked her players. I mean, she's picked two people that she's seen what they've done. So I tended to think that, you know, her boss sent her that way <laughs> because, because all of a sudden it was like, and that's why she's historically been with many of these kind of people who have abused power. Um, and, uh, and, and at that point it's, um, it's because I think that we also, again, Mike is always interested in, in, in dealing with larger themes um, through this genre. And, you know, I think that we have to, so often there's so many horrors in the world and so many people who take advantage of um, people that are weaker than them and, uh, and it, and it, you can't make any sense of it. So in a strange way uh, to do a show that is uh, a heightened idea of someone actually in a very po way um, making some sort of deal that makes just as much sense as anything else, because otherwise we can't make sense of it. It's, it's just, it's, it's truly horrifying, you know, what's going on in the opioid industry and everything. So. And with that scene with Lenore in particular with the, with the granddaughter, 
you know, I, I know that you had like a very visceral emotional response when you were reading that scene on the page to begin with, but also kind of stepping back, realizing Verna can't respond in the same way that I'm responding to this scene, the way that I'm reading it. Um, but because you mentioned that that is one of the moments where the, the impartiality kind of sheds itself a little bit. How did you find that level of how much of your own emotions to bring into Werner at that point? Yeah. You know, for me, it was um, uh, really hard to, um, you know, I think as an actor, you you spend your whole life um, being emotionally accessible. And this was a moment where um, I just kept having to um, remember that uh, my clarity and um, simplicity would help Lenore to die more peacefully. Like that was the, the, that was it. It was, it was whatever act of generosity Verna could give. And that act of generosity was to make Lenore feel held in a way. And so that just helped me from um, just being so devastated about that scene. Cause it's just such a devastating scene. And, and going back to that idea of, of Verna's moral compass and the fact that obviously it doesn't exist in the same plane of, of humanity that like you and I exist in. Right. The difference in kind of figuring out a lot of the the cogwheels and how they turn in a character when you're thinking about morality and complexity in a completely different approach. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that, uh, again, I think what's interesting is that, you know, um, we we are creatures that will do so much to survive. Um, we will we will forget our childhoods to survive trauma. We will um, justify um, really horrible actions by, um, you know, as as Roderick does in this or or Madeline, you know, Mary McDonald's character and Mary's so brilliant in it, um, you know, saying they would buy this anyway. You know, are you kidding? We could tell them it would kill them in a day and they'll still buy it, you know. And so we have this capacity um, but we also have a capacity in the way that we judge ourselves. We are really harsh and judge others. So I found this kind of equanimity and this sort of, um, I don't know, they're, they're, it allowed me um, to see what we do as human beings that um, that's the deliciousness of drama, by the way, um, and so great to play. But it was so interesting to play a character that could sit above it and then drop into it when she wanted to and play in the playground with them and then, and then step out, you know? So it was, it was, it was definitely um, incredibly informative. I think that's one of the, you know, the reason that I started acting um, was I saw Silkwood and Sophie's Choice in the same year when I was 13. And um, I didn't know, you know, anything about the world of those two women, um, one in a, you know, plant, a power plant that was being poisoned and one obviously dealing with giving up a child and during the Holocaust. I mean, it was just, but I felt that, and I believed this woman, Meryl Streep, one of the greatest actresses of all time, as those women. And it gave me empathy. It allowed me to see the world through other people's eyes. And I think that I've always felt that that's why I wanted to act. And both for my own, to be able to learn empathy and also to be able to give empathy. And um, it's what I, my belief that storytelling can do. And so in this way, it was fascinating to play a character that actually was teaching me that continuously. Um, it was really, um, it was real, real gift. I love that. And and especially with this role, it feels like none of the choices that you made could be kind of done by halves, like everything you had to so fully commit to at such depth. And so what did you find that this role really asked you of yourself as an actor that, that maybe other roles haven't up to this point in your career? 
Well, I think it it asked me, I think, you know, the the certainly any aspect of of playing like the the beautiful leading lady or something um was was not um a part of this because I knew that the this the ape scene was going to be just, you know, had to be vanity, uh, bye-bye. And also certainly um, you know, the heart patient and and um and and that there was this kind of um just a, a willingness to kind of again, I think because I trusted our filmmakers so much, um uh I had to go, I had to say, I'm gonna try to go, I, I might go too far here, but if I play it safe, the scene's not gonna work. So if I go too far, I just need to trust that you'll tell me to pull it back. And um, and in that way, it felt like jumping off a cliff every time. Uh and and that was um you know, and again, again, playing those notes in the orchestra, because this tonally, this show is very different than what we have done before together. Um, it's got a lot more comedy, black humor. Um, it's more it's it's you know, it's it's got these sort of big characters. And uh, and 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 interestingly, while Verna seems so flashy, she had to be one of the most subtle characters. <laughs> so that was an interesting juxtaposition for sure. And, and, and in a real um, I just had to kind of you know, I, I I wasn't sure that this, I really couldn't be objective about this character when I even saw it in the first cut. I thought everybody, it was fantastic in the show, but I could have just, it could be a disaster. Like, I don't know if Verna works. And so it was actually a really um, uh, cool moment when it felt like, oh, people not only are really resonating with her, but they actually are um, getting what I was going for. That's so fantastic to hear. And, and I'm so impressed by what you've accomplished with this performance. It's, you know, it's the big choices and it's also the subtleties and, and the minute choices that you've made that really make it so successful. So congratulations and thank you so much for sharing all of this. Really appreciate it.